Hello, hello, hello out there to all the ghouls and goblins listening in tonight. With our uh, Halloween special here, The Mind of Magnus on 106.3 WRFZ LP Rochester. Rochester Free Radio. As always, the cool kids listening in online, rochesterfreeradio.com. And even cooler kids are downloading the podcast here, mindofmagnus.com. Check it out. You can download it wherever you can find your podcast. Uh, iTunes, Google, very tech-savvy pigeon, as you always say. You could probably find one now. Uh, thanks, you guys, for joining me in. As you all know, this is my uh, one of my favorite times of the year, Halloween. Uh, the stories are just a little bit, creep- bit creepier, a little better, always juicier. There's... You know, get your uh, the goosebumps ready because we're going to have stories tonight from awesome wordsmiths. Uh, some of my favorite people are joining me tonight to help wield the good stories we have. Um, uh, I could get the, the homework stuff out of the way first. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters out there. You guys are uh, followers here at Rochester Free Radio. Go to RochesterFreeRadio.com. Click the big orange button. Uh, a couple dollars a month is all we ask. Uh, or you can big lump sum if maybe you're the guy who won the $1.6 billion dollars let me know you're a very beautiful person uh and uh but tonight i'm gonna get right into the show uh my guests tonight are uh two people one is actually return guests i had them almost every halloween so far it seems like it's yeah it's pretty good uh, uh anna shalia is here she's a, a wonderful talented woman who has quick wit makes me slap makes me laugh every time and she's gonna tell some stories and the voice in the background you just heard was tristan tomaselli but i want to give a shout out to the man in the glass box too if he is working away uh, hard there mr matt obscure himself making the show always sounding great matt how you doing in there i am spinning plates tonight magnus <laughs> it seems i that am way. super stoked on tonight <laughs> when you have an audio engineer that's really talented it's great guys he gets really excited when you start tossing more at him i don't know how this works for for science but he's he's happy i'm happy we're gonna have a lot of ghost stories and and creepy stuff in here um but uh so mr engineer in the background here what's our first step what's our how are we making this magic happen well do you want to jump into our first story i think so i want to jump right into the stories uh because we'll do a little bit of in, uh, introduction maybe after i want to get the coolness happening right away i'm super excited about this folks if you haven't figured it out yet um so uh let's just jump right into it matt do you want to have fun and- all right Everybody got their flashlights underneath their chins? Nice. Here goes. Under the covers. Awesome. (laughs) Here we go. The city of Rochester has a rich history of interacting with the spirit realm. From the Fox Sisters to the haunted tours that take place around the city, ghosts and ghost stories are as a part of Rochester as garbage plates. Uh, The moment the news got out, this uh, story here is going to be on local haunted houses. Email started flying our way, mindofmagnus.gmail.com. You can do it yourself if you want to. This is one story of Samantha. It's a South South Wedge resident who, over a drink at Lux, allowed me to interview her for the South Wedge Quarterly and for this radio station right here. A lot of apartments in this town can be described as creepy. But no words convey the level of unease I felt in this studio. It was one of those upstairs spare rooms turned into an apartment in an old Highland Park mansion. I landed a job at the Highland or at the hospital after finishing my nursing degree and needed a place to crash in between shifts. This little studio apartment was perfect. Uh, I thought it would be nice and cozy. It'd be all mine. But that could not have been further from the truth. The first few nights, I slept really well, um, probably was tired from the move, but by the weekend, I was really annoyed with the thumping coming from the upstairs neighbors. Somebody was pacing around during the day while I was trying to sleep, and then making a ton of noise late at night into the evening, long after any sane person who wasn't a nurse should be in bed. I always tried to bump into my neighbor when it sounded like they were walking towards the staircase. I'd open my door, look across the landing, and their door never opened. 
I even walked over and knocked after a rather long shift that left me feeling quite fine with appearing to be the crazy neighbor. They didn't answer their door. I've had sleep issues for a lot of years, but I never, ever slept in this apartment. I'd routinely wake thinking that something had not, someone had knocked on my door, or I'd get that feeling that a cat was jumping on my bed. With all these sleeping pills and melatonin gummies, I finally began to turn out the upstairs parade, but I could never shake the feeling that there was someone with me in my tiny little studio. It's lonely working all hours of the day and having an inconsistent schedule. I started taking my coffee in the backyard just to get out of the house, even if I, it was just to read or look at my phone. It was nice to wave at the downstairs neighbor at our kitchen window. More than once, I saw my upstairs neighbor, her small frame, look out that little circular window and then quickly walk by before I could say hi or wave or flipper the bird. One morning with coffee, cup in hand, my downstairs neighbor came out and joined me. The idle chit-chat eventually turned to me asking if I was an okay neighbor, that I didn't disturb them as I came home super late at night. She assured me that I was the picture of a good housemate. And I said, oh, I'm glad because the person who lives upstairs is a nightmare. They pace back and forth constantly. And she shook her head and slowly asked me what I meant. Well, I told her how the other tenant would walk around and go up and down the stairs at all hours, occasionally knocking on my door. I don't understand, she started. There's no one upstairs. My bewildered face must have made been the cue to continue. The attic used to be a large sitting room for a library for the original owner's mother, but there isn't any plumbing for it, uh, so it's just a big old storage area. I didn't believe her. I thought she was messing with me, and I was growing a little bit anxious and a little annoyed, so I excused myself, saying I had to get ready for work. I walked up the stairs to my apartment, um, and I looked across the landing to the attic door. I could feel my heart beating. Without thinking, I walked over and grabbed the knob. The door was unlocked. I pulled it open to reveal a dark, dusty staircase. I could not believe what I was seeing. I shouted, uh, hello, still thinking that I was going to walk into somebody's apartment. But I, as I rounded the landing, I stopped dead in my tracks. Empty. It was a large room, some bookshelves containing odds and ends and a few boxes stacked, but empty. With each footfall, the floor creaked with the familiar sound. I stood in the center of the room with my hands shaking. The dust and cobwebs proved it had been this way for years. The circular window was the sole source of light, and as I got closer, I could see fresh shoe prints in the dust on the floor and small handprints on the window. It was then and there I decided to move and now only live in new apartments without any neighbors above me. <laughs> Nicely done. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, so that was actually uh, Samantha's apartment up in the near the Highland Park. Um, they actually came from an interview. I actually interviewed someone. That a lovely thing was just read by Anna Shalia. I said, what my favorite people here in Rochester. Oh, that did get was amazing. Well done, well done. I'm going to have nightmares about that for one. Yeah, for I got while. goosebumps. I actually looked. They actually are goosebumps on there. It's hard, under all the blonde hair I have on my arms. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, and always, if you guys have a story, if you guys have ghost, ta ghost tales, let us know. This is a perfect example. Uh, Samantha did not want to actually tell her story on the air or actually have it written down. So we, I interviewed her. We kind of punched it up uh, and wrote it properly. And uh, Anna helped 
bring it to life. And actually, great reading, by the way. I love your... Nice. It, uh, after meeting the woman, uh, she would be impressed at how you delivered. You, you make her sound better than she is, I think. She's just like, she'd be super oh, excited. Well, how she good. must have been freaked out. <laughs> she, it, it, I was told over drinks, and it happened years back. But, um, yeah, it was a uh, uh, it's fun little t- time listening to the, uh, the stories. This is my time of the year that I enjoy the creepy tales, the ghost stories. Uh, and I was saying, if you guys have ghost stories, let us know. Message us. Uh, we'll, we'll take uh, stories all year long. It doesn't have to be you know only around Halloween. Let us know. Uh, we had an actually uh, uh, other guest coming on momentarily, uh, Tristan. He actually had an email from one of our listeners that came in. Uh, I think it was Eric. Uh, had sent some stuff in here. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm actually going to have a fun little banter session. Uh, Matt, we doing good for time in here? This is the engineer guy. Oh, man. we're doing awesome. Nice, nice, nice. But thank you again, Anna. That was great. That Thanks, was man. amazing. So uh, actually, this is your first time on the show, right, Anna? Yes, it is. So we're going to put uh, Tristan on the side burner for a second. I want to get back to knowing a little bit about Anna. So a local Rochesterian, amazingly... Uh, Oh, <laughs> I can push him on the bear. He like this is your <laughs> side note. Back to Tristan. You, uh, you see, like your fourth visit. On this here? will be the fourth time. Yeah, nice, nice. So, see, first time for us is people get a little bit of trump card on this one. Which, that term just totally taken from me now. Oh. Oh. So, uh, local Rochesterian, uh, a comedian, uh, now mother of amazing little cute girl, uh, mm-hmm. taking on the world. Uh, tell me more about your, your your life here in Rochester for those who yeah. don't know who you are. Well, thank you, thank you for having me here. Mm. Um, I did bring candy corn. I don't. I, I'm trying to bribe you. I don't know if it's going to work with candy. <laughs> You've corn. bribed me so far. You're just you're adding more icing on this awesome cake. Oh, good, so. good, good. Especially with sugars and sweets. You're bribing the right guy because candy corn is like my favorite thing. Right, so. it's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's such a bad rep. I thought the millennials were killing candy corn. Is that? Yeah, they 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 seem to be anti candy corn for a while. A lot of. A lot of weird stuff was happening. But then you put it on a donut, and they're totally fine with it. That's how it works. See, there you go. That's the key, is putting things on donuts (laughs) is how you get it by the millennials. It worked. I mean, voodoo donut uh, logic, I guess. That's what it's going to be. Just put crazy stuff together in donut form. Put it in there. Mm -hmm. As long as it's not NyQuil, you're okay. Mm. Well. That's what they got in trouble for, right? They they actually had a NyQuil-filled donut. Uh, the the voodoo donut in in West Coast? It, no kidding. Yeah. Sign me up. Gonna, <laughs> it depends on what flavor. <laughs> really, what it was. I might be up for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so uh, thank you for the candy corn. Are you looking forward to this? Is our Halloween episode? This is actually. I love our... it. I'm so excited. Nice. Nice. We uh, we have a three year old, and she has chosen all on her own to be a carrot this year. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we've got a, a little carrot to walk around, um, which is great. She hits up about six houses, and then she's done for the night. So. Uh, Oh, that's good, though. We're not into the crazy pranks yet, but it'll be it'll be great. It'll be fun. <laughs> nice. uh, are you gonna dress up as well? I'm gonna be a, a rabbit. I'm about to say. I hope it's a parrot. Yeah. Or yeah, a rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. How do you? Uh, yeah, rabbit's probably the best way. I can't think of anything else. You could maybe have uh, your husband just have uh, a, the baby with a string and dress him up as a stick. So it's a carrot mm, on a stick. Or nice, something else. that's I good. Don't know. I thought about peas. I would be pea, peas and oh, carrots. Oh, peas and carrots. That'd be cute. That's very good. Yeah, actually, that's that's adorable. Actually, that's versus being a, something that's going to eat your child. I guess <laughs> is the other, <laughs> other option there. <laughs> one of those is very Pinteresty. The other one, yeah, it can be kind of dark. Uh, depending on how you go right. with yeah, that, yeah, yeah. lean in another direction. Maybe I was being lazy and just went for the ears that were in an old photo booth box of oh. props. So <laughs> that's how I chose. Well, it helps when you have a prominent photographer as a husband, right? <laughs> So, Rochester's prominent photographer. Yeah. If yeah. you guys haven't uh, guessed this out, one of our previous guests on the show uh, last year, John Chalia, is the uh, the man who married this lovely woman here. So the lucky dude. 
So, um, uh, but so how about Tristan? Actually, how about you for Halloween? Are you looking forward to your Halloween times? Oh well, yes. I thought what I would do is I'd go out uh, dressed as a struggling writer. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got this great. Prop. It's a, a glass of whiskey, nice. and I'll be sitting on a bar stool. That's clever. I, that, yeah. How do you think of it? such a clever idea? I, so. It just came to me. <laughs> that one sounds day, like so much more you know. fun than being a bunny rabbit. I gotta tell you. <laughs> yeah, a, a struggling writer bunny rabbit. Just yeah. just, just the glass of whiskey just kind of adds to it. I no, I, shamefully, I am never prepared for Halloween. Oh. I, I ought to be. I, my, I have an October birthday. It should be like my thing. But I'm always thinking of great ideas, and mm. then I get to that week and. I just don't do it. I don't know. I don't I, know. I'm a uh, shameful, I, I, really. That's not bad. You got to have fun. Do I mean, you seem to be in the good spirit, though. You enjoy oh, yeah. this. This is your. your I mean, how the how your uh, the stories you like. Actually, to go back in, people who may not know who you are, first time listeners or something else, uh, describe uh, you writer here uh, in Rochester, talented man. Thank you. Um, and uh, I mean, you help out with the writing book scene here in Rochester, literally at Writers uh, and Books. Yeah, I work at Writers and Books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work at their front desk. I also do uh, some teaching for them occasionally. Nice. Uh, I specialize in science fiction and speculative fiction. Uh, my most recent gig, they had me go to the JCC where I did a, a workshop on graphic novels for a, a classroom of about 20 kids. Mm. Uh, wow, third nice. to sixth graders, and it was in this big auditorium. Oh, nice. Lots of energy, lots of excited descriptions of what Superman can do. And see, I like that point of kids. They're, they're still like just all the energy. They're, they're, there's less doubt in them. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a small thing that really impressed me about one of them is I, what I had done is I'd, I'd brought some graphic novels. I'd had them kind of look through them, and I gave them big sheets of paper, and I said. Uh, I broke them up into groups, and I said, okay, well, what you want you want to do is look through these and try to find some interesting details, something that sets them apart from comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, sort of the lesson idea was there's a difference between comic books and graphic novels. Mm-hmm. That difference is subtle, so go to it. See what you can find. And they wrote great ideas, great words, <laughs> lots of emotive things, and one kid wrote pi to 100 decimal places. Oh <laughs> Well done, sir. Well and done. And that was yeah. the answer. I was, <laughs> and, and it was correct. <laughs> the class may end now. Exactly. Oh, I can't go any higher than that in there. Yeah. Uh, so um, we so tonight we actually have some other uh, side note. We had some good compliments on our pre-recorded stuff we had, Matt. This is thanks to you. Oh, cool. Thanks. So, yeah, yeah. It's uh, super fun to make. Yeah. Someone actually listening in last week was saying that they got a kick out of uh, all the sound engineering happening on our show. It was remarkable. Uh, there was uh, th- th- last week we had uh, an Eric Lehman uh, story come on, and this week we're doing it again. Yeah, we got one to close the show this week too. Nice. A little different tone than last week's. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking forward to it. We had some other uh, uh, some good good other audio fi- uh, files happening today, but I wanted to pass along a good note and a thank you to uh, the people who said Matt did a great job. So well, thanks everybody. Nicely done on those ones. Um, so uh, as for me, actually, my Halloween week is looking pretty good. We're having fun. Uh, we did the Haunted Mag, uh, the Memorial Art Gallery event, which was pretty fun. Uh, the lovely girlfriend and I do some cool costume designs um, and uh, just party hopping and I like designing costumes I'm a weird guy I like, I like making you, you know uh, I wanted to ask you was that a real tire that you had no I just made oh, it out of foam oh, it's, oh, it's okay. actually uh, probably been easier to do that I just took foam core uh, I made the, the costume uh, for the mag was the flat file guy from Beetlejuice the very nice. thin guy trouble is I'm not a very thin guy I'm really not a thin guy based on what my doctor says at least and um, but I had to try to make myself appear flat so I made a suit 
and I kind of put my head through it, but it was actually a foam core just cut out with flat, like relief surface and then just hot glue the shirt into it. So I built myself a big flat system that was actually relatively good. I actually had a larger system. And then I realized about uh, five minutes before I'm getting going, I'm like, I don't want to walk around this big thing. So I just hacked it up and put the center part on. I'm like, it counts. So I made that mistake one year. I went as the moon. Oh, no. I had a, a like turtleneck a navy blue turtleneck that i painted like a cityscape on and i had a poster board that i cut a hole through mm-hmm. but the poster board it was a piece of foam core and it was huge oh, and i was no. in someone's apartment oh, oh so i just became art for the night i just stood on the wall <laughs> and could not move because if i turned in any direction i was going to kill someone so oh. yeah yeah, my largest costume, I, I dressed at the TARDIS once. I went as a box. Pretty much all it was, I painted up, and I won uh, three co- co- uh, costume contests that that night alone. But I found you could the, never get there to collect your award. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I found the best Doctor Who costume. I, and, of course, there's always 10,000 Doctor Who costumes out there. So I had uh, literally just found the best one. I'm like, hey, do you want to win a costume co- contest? Because no one had the TARDIS with them. So I found the best doctor, do- got in there. I won a bunch of different you know competitions that way. But it was a giant box. But what I did inside, I made shelves. So I just got all the drinks and put them in, and I had straws going from it in there smart so, yeah i just put my arms in i'm like i'm set for the night I just, that's all your practical points right it, there. it really was it's was great i had I, I had those like the click together straw systems you know to expand like you do for i don't know kids things but i literally had the whole system built up i had different drinks in there so i had like one side was whiskey and coke this side was like water if i needed to and it was, i was i had like a whole storefront inside if you just climbed inside there the windows would pop open my arms grab drinks and go back in so, so you're drunker on the inside than the outside <laughs> <laughs> no it's only when he started spinning yeah, and, and making the noise. Okay, you've had too much to drink, Magnus. It's, it's my it's my signs. It's how it works. My friends know me so well. Oh my gosh. Um, so how about how about you uh, in there? You have a little guy. Looks like he's getting ready for Halloween. He's the understanding. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got he it. is all about the trick or treating. <laughs> it has been trick or treat fest. We went to Garden Factory Saturday. Uh, we're going to Strong Museum tomorrow. Like yeah, it's. He's dressed as Kristoff from Frozen, oh, nice. which means my wife is dressing as Spin, the, the yeah, mm-hmm. Sven. But yeah, he's really Spin, <laughs> the reindeer. Yeah, yeah. You know, we should have thought of it, and we could have gone with, with, with Millie, and it could have been Carrot, Spin, and Kristoff. It would have been perfect. This I wish we would have thought of it. Also, toddlers can clean up. Right? I mean, everybody's giving them candy. They're the people that need candy the least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just kind of discovering candy this year because yeah. we don't we try not to because you know we're, we are somewhat responsible parents. Trying like <laughs> tiny, tiny, but like he's like I want candy. So, like, eh. so we gave him his choice. He took fruit snacks the first time, and then he reached in and got like the tootsie rolls and stuff. And now That's, all bets are off. He's lost. The, the minute yeah. he gets chocolate, it's it's over with. Uh, so. A friend of mine has a suggestion every time they have kids is you start off by telling them that, that his job is to get the candy for the family. So it always divides up. It's like, are you getting it for, like, let us know because you get, you know, dad likes these. So it, the concept was, like, you trick or treat, you're for the family. So you always, you always had an option of taking candy away from this pile automatically because you're always like, there's 20 pounds of chocolate in this, going to kill a kid. And he, he started young and he's like, I just kept going with it until he got old enough to realize, like, wait a minute, your dad's skimming off the top? He's like, no, well, maybe. I like that. But yeah, I he did. did. I do too, but that shipped on sale. Yeah. Like, we're oh, like, yeah. He it start kind young. of brings back some of that hunter gatherer instinct as humanity like we can give that back to our kids like you're responsible for the tribe sweetie yeah, exactly <laughs> dad bring, needs bring mommy the chocolate <laughs> my dad likes crack, uh, crickle ones or you know, whatever yeah. crackle cookies Br- bring back the butterfingers you yeah, can exactly. sleep tonight <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> peanut m&ms you're out of here god i don't know <laughs> oh my gosh i'm looking forward to uh, halloween myself a bit i'm actually gonna uh help uh 
actually trick or treat. I love giving candy out to kids, but where my old house used to be, I, I had to stop doing it. Uh, long story made relatively short, but I was oddly mugged for candy one year that two large teenagers knocked all the kids over, shoved me against the door, took all the candy and ran away. I'm like, and, and I was like picking little kids up crying, like giving them what left candy I had and stuff. But they had like plastic masks over the head. Mm. I literally just like pushed me back, took the candy and ran. And I'm like, okay, well, next year I'll try it one more time. Next year, the person who takes the candy, knocks me over, kind of pushes me back, grabs a bunch of candy, runs away. The girlfriend starts yelling at the guy and then chases him down the steps and runs off. Well, whatever. I turn around. They left their kid there. I literally had this little, yeah, I had a three and a half, four-year-old girl dressed as an angel. She was sweet as all could be. And I'm like, hi, sweetie. She's like, hi. I'm like, so I'm yelling. I'm like, uh, your kid's here. They didn't, I called the cops. They didn't come back. They, they, they ran away. And if I call the cops, I'm like, listen, uh, this is really weird, but someone left a kid in my doorstep. And they're like, oh my God, will you, can you stay with her? I'm like, of course I'm going to stay with a three-year-old. You know, oh, good luck, kid. Yeah, know? she's on her own. Exactly. She left, she's outside. She's not mine. She, uh, but literally had, uh, they ran away. I called the cops uh, about five, maybe 10 minutes later, her grandmother came back, came walking up the stairs. Uh, and I should have to describe the woman. She is a fairly large framed woman and probably mid sixties. And the girl automatically is like, grandma. So I know it's this. And she's like, oh, thanks, sweetie. You've been taking care of Cause I got like little Ritz crackers for her, a little bottle of water, whatever it was. Be like, here you go, hon. I don't want to feed a kid, but don't eat all the chocolate. I don't want to have a hyperactive kid around. And uh, so she's being super sweet. The grandma scoops her up then, and she's looking at me and I'm not happy. I'm like, literally, I'm annoyed that you left a child, like how horrible families are. And she's staring at me and she's like, you called the cops, didn't you? I'm like, of course I did. She like tucks the kid under her arm like a football and then sprints down the steps, down the sidewalk and runs. And the girl is this, this angel dress just flapping in the wind as this heavy set woman is running with this little child. I'm like, this is all for candy. Just like, this is even worse now. So I stopped giving out candy after that. That was my my last candy experience. This year, I'm going back and helping friend in a nice, fun neighborhood, and we're going to scare some kids, big props up and everything else. But yeah, I stopped giving out candy in the city for various reasons. That was one. In uh, fairness, thank you for taking care of my kid, and it was really good. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's how we met. Yes. Uh, he had great sound engineering as he ran away with my candy. So that's yeah, it was the Doppler effect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is a uh, fun sort of chaotic uh, uh, ghostly stories. Um, but uh, Tristan, we had a kind of a fun aspect with you mm-hmm. that came in. Now, this actually was from a listener, uh, Eric. Uh, I don't know if Eric wants to give his last name out, but Eric D is one of the guys who sent in. And uh, what was, if, if you can, you know, can you summarize it in a, in a good sort of way, how this ha- all f- unfolded in front of you here? Uh, well, uh, to just summarize, this is a piece of folklore mm-hmm. that was uh relayed to Eric through uh, uh, an oral telling at the Genesee Country uh, Village Museum, uh, which is just a lovely place to go to for this sort of thing. Um, You uh, sent it to me and said, you know, take a look at this. Um, Pardon me, I just got over a little something, so hopefully my voice stays intact. Um, You sent it along to me and said, take a look at this, you know, think about reading it on the air. And uh, uh, to uh, sort of paraphrase your suggestion, you said you know, kind of retell it in your own parlance. Mm-hmm. And along with that, I kind of, you know, uh, you know, actually, I got to th- I got to thank you. This has actually been a delightfully nerdy voyage. Nice. Into the, I'm so into glad that. The, 
um, oddly scientific realm of folklore. <laughs> um, so what I thought I'd do is I thought I'd read you my rendition of the story. Nice, and nice. Then, and uh, thanks again to Air for sending this one in. Uh, he had sent in, and the email I sent in wasn't like he, he had, a, we're not retelling his story. He gave a kind of a gist of what he right. encountered. Right. And it gave us a chance to do a little bit of history diving, which I know you like to look into mm-hmm. stuff and, and find things. So thank you for Eric. Thank you for you prepping one of my favorite writers here in Rochester, chance to tell what you heard about it. So if Eric doesn't hear this live, we're going to send him a file uh, as, a, <laughs> as a thank you for sending this along. Oh, thank so, you. Um, but yeah, without further ado, if you wish to give reading into it now. Uh, yeah, do absolutely. You, do we need to have a subject or is it going to... Do you, you have a name? Do you have a name for it? Is there, you, um, wanna... you know, there really isn't a name for this, but we can actually explore that a little bit when we're done Good, with the story. Perfect. I have this a few great. details to share. Um, so this doesn't really need any introduction other than once upon a time, there was a cabin in the woods, and in this cabin lived a family: father, his two children, a boy and a girl, and their stepmother, who father had just recently married. As their days and nights unfolded from winter to spring through summer unto autumn, the stepmother began dispatching the children on errands and odd jobs. Odder still, for these were not the usual chores you might expect. Catching newts and foraging for toadstools, procuring strange sundries from traveling merchants among them. Of all the bizarre tasks asked of the children by their stepmother, searching for robin's eggs under rocks in the forest was by far the most illogical. It came to pass that father would alight for an evening in the village to visit his brother who had taken mysteriously ill. As soon as he left, the stepmother set the little girl to rendering tallow while the little boy was sent to the forest to search for robin eggs underneath rocks, a task which had ever proven fruitless for the lad. Having searched for hours, the little boy returned to the cabin without any eggs. Flummoxed, the stepmother took the boy by the arm back into the forest until they came to the creek. Beside the creek was a sizable rock. To the boy's eyes, it stood a practical boulder. She asked if he had searched there. The boy took shame in silence. A pig's ransom would be a penny too far for the likes of you. Turn it over. There must be a robin's eggs aplenty. The boy pleaded that the rock was too heavy. Pish posh, I shall lift and you shall retrieve the eggs. The following evening, father returned, having tended to his brother's needs. A stepmother sat him down at the table and presented a supper of sweet potatoes with fresh butter, boiled greens, and a roast fit for a king. Tuck in, my love, the stepmother gratefully said to the father. He eagerly ate, enjoying the roast most of all, and quaffed his supper with a cup of mead. The roast was so delicious he asked for seconds, and then thirds. When father was done, he sat back in his chair, undid his belt, and sighed. It was then the father realized his son had not sat to dinner with the rest of the family. So caught up was he in the feasting. "'Where's the boy?' he asked his wife. The stepmother said he had gone out to play earlier that day and had not returned. "'What of you, my sweetest peach?' he said to the little girl. "'Have you seen your brother today?' She nibbled meat from the end of a bone, broke it, and sucked on the tender marrow inside." No, she replied, not since yesterday. All the while, a little bird sat on the ledge, watching the family dine. As soon as father noticed it, the bird took flight and sang the most peculiar song. Mommy killed me. Daddy ate me. Little sister broke my bones. 
The end. <laughs> so it was a delightful little tale that was shared. Um, and I, 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 I embellished some wordsmithing and some, mm-hmm. some purple prose there, which is just a wonderful thing that you can do in folklore. You can use words like rendered tallow mm-hmm. and make, you know, uh, in, in Eric's version, he, the girl churns butter. Mm-hmm. I chose to make it a little darker, <laughs> which is sort of the fun of folklore is, yeah, yeah. is in the telling of it. So in that uh, vein, I decided to sort of look into this story and I found... Uh, here's here's a wonderfully nerdy fact for you. This story is either type 450 or type 720 on the R.A.N. Thompson Uther Index of Folklore. And what is this yes, thing Yes, tell here? me more. Okay, so this is a wonderfully nerdy <laughs> thing. Um, uh, it's, uh, near as I can tell, a semi-anthropological uh, arrangement of folklore tales into various broad categories because a lot of these stories get told again and again and take on different shapes and and sizes as the telling has changed from person to person so uh you know arane thompson and uther these are three literary eggheads they did not work together they kind of you know one started the work the Mm -hmm. next took it on the third added to it until it became a sort of uh was it during the lifetime of each person or was it is it like did the first person pass on like the 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 each step of this evolution, were they all contemporaries? Were they all the uh, same? You know, uh, I actually don't know that much about it. It wasn't somebody fact, like, I, they found a guy a hundred years ago, this guy had a pretty good idea, let's move on to the next step. I would, right? I would, you know, I, I really should go back and check to see how much time yeah, uh, passed very... between each uh, scholar. Um, uh, to my shame, I'm not really a folklore expert. Oh, I just, no, no, I just no. pretend to be one on the radio. <laughs> um, but this was an interesting thing to stumble upon. Yeah. So, um, you know, near as I could tell, I tried to figure out where this story rated on that scale. And so what I settled on was it's either Type 450, which are stories about brothers and sisters. And these are story uh, under the subcategory of magic is another subcategory of stories about brothers and sisters. <laughs> or it's type 720, which is a very specific story, which are, are variations of a tale, very similar to this one, the most famous of which is called the Juniper Tree, which is in Grimm's Fairy Tales. So just real briefly, that's a very similar story in which a man has a wife who dies, and he has children. He remarries. The stepmother is a little dubious. Um, and in the juniper tree, she makes a black, she kills the stepson, makes a black pudding out of him, and she buries the bones of the boy at the foot of the juniper tree. Mm. And, and then the family eats the blood pudding. Oh, God, that's awful. And then a bird launches from the juniper tree and sings the same song. Hmm. The, you know, you know, mother killed me, father ate me, sister broke my bones, being the key fact that links this particular vein of folklore. Um, whereas the 450 type is a little broader, just in general stories about brothers and sisters stumbling in the woods. Hansel and Gretel would be the most you know, notable yeah. example. So um, if anybody's interested in learning more about this, um, there's a wonderful website. It's mftd.org. One more time, that's mftd.org, and that's the Multilingual Folklore Database. That's and amazing we have You can look through this. entire collections and uh, snippets of what each of these categories is. Wow. I did not know. So it's, I guess I, we're in the IMDb world. Everything has now been organized for kind of broken down this way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> I, I can only imagine. So this is like uh, the 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 breakup breakdown was. Is it? Um, I mean, how many different classifications is it? It just keeps. Is there is there a large hierarchy to it, or is and it? Is a, there one where the stepmom isn't so horrible? Uh, no, there. Because as a as a stepmom, you know, maybe you, you there's know, a good story out there. You no? bring up a you bring up a good point. <laughs> Stepmoms have really gotten a bad rap in, in stories in general. Um, I'm also a terrible cook, so. Well, we see. There, there you go. Because you know, stepmoms are usually really good cooks. That's the problem. Mm. They, they they know how to cook odd things like newts and children and take care and, of the problem eventually. And, and black pudding, ew! Like, ugh, you know. Yeah, My man. grandmother liked black pudding. Don't disparage I, I, black pudding. I, I'm a I'm a black pudding supporter. Oh, it's, wow. it's good. Okay. What's in black pudding again? To remind me, I don't know if I had black pudding before. Uh, children. children. Yeah, <laughs> oh, good. mostly. Uh, mostly. No, no, just stepchildren. Uh, yeah. Just step children. Just step children. Oh, that's the magic stuff. No, it's yeah. it's like a blood pudding, right? Exactly. So yeah. Blood, so it's, all blood. it's right. I think we had the reference a week or two on the show. It's whatever doesn't go into hot dogs. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gotcha. But it's very good with breakfast. I no, will tell you that. No one wants to watch the sausage being made. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> the story of my life. Uh, so this is great. Now I'm going to go back and check yeah. this out. So mftd.org. Dot org. Mftd.org. And so just to kind of like give you uh, you and the listeners a better idea, they kind of breaks it down to like there's animal tales uh, magical tales religious tales <clears throat> sounds like Jeopardy <laughs> uh, then there's realistic tales um, which are kind of anecdotal uh, fishermen mm. you know uh, or the, the the story of the kid who trades his paper clip up for a house that would be kind of a realistic tale gotcha. uh, this is a great category it's tales of the stupid ogre there's an entire sub-branch of folklore dealing with stupid ogres, or... or Are you learning or, a lesson via stupid ogre, or, 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 I can't say the word. Um, but, like, describe a little bit more, if, like, is that, is the, who's the hero, is it, he's not the hero of this, like, stupid ogre is the one that just the... Well, well, ogres in folklore tend to represent, um, you know, there's sort of a con artist type thing, like, think about, like, the okay. troll, like, you know, the troll that, you know... Like trickery and trickery like, yeah, and things yeah. like that. Well, I wasn't sure because now we're in the world that ogre has now become a large, powerful creature. Like you know, versus some of the o- previous ones were these like under the bridge kind of troll esque things. Yeah, and it's really Tolkien that that brings ogres into this like larger brutish yeah, category. Yeah, yeah. Um, in in the, in the realm of folklore, ogres ac- actually represent uh, ogre stories. All reflect things about having to do with labor. Okay, uh, that's what my, uh, my thought was. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't um, cure what contracts, the, uh, deals gone strange. Interesting. Um, so he's the working man back in the day. He's I guess? well, he can be both. He could either be the working man or he could be the man. You know, gotcha. uh, you know, because sometimes ogres send people on strange errands that mm. have uh, ironic or misleading intentions. Um, now that, we know. So, so the, actually, that's a really fun category. Um, I have a very important question about ogres. Okay, <laughs> are, are they historically all stars? Uh, <laughs> Uh, all stars. Uh, in what sense of the of the? Do they get their game on and go play? Is what I'm trying to ask here. That's what I'm getting at. Or are they more believers? That's, oh my goodness! Historically, I'm wondering. You've gotta forgive them. Oh my goodness! I'm being. I'm. I'm not nerdy. I'm either too nerdy to know what no, this is, or not nerdy no. enough. He's just spent a lot of time with Shrek lately. Oh, and he's just hurting. It's a Smash Mouth thing going on. It's a Smash Mouth thing. Okay, it's okay. I went because actually I went Smash Mouth first, then it hit me like, oh no, it's a it's a Shrek thing. I was like, why are you quoting? Smash Mouth. Oh, it's yeah. right. It's Shrek my, was from the '90s. That means ah, to my shame or credit, I'm not sure. I've never seen Shrek. Tristan, oh. that makes you a far better person than me. <laughs> I've, I've seen all three. Is there th- four, three, four? 
I don't know. You haven't seen the musical yet, have you? So, no. On ice. <laughs> on ice? I think I'll start with the Shrek on ice. <laughs> and, I feel like that's dangerous. For is that, is that considered Shrek. canon in the Shrek <laughs> yeah, universe? I, I don't know. The swamp froze over and that's okay, the whole premise I don't, for it. I don't, don't want to get any strange like alternate Shrek universe oh, no, no, ideas okay. in my head and then go back and watch Stay the first canon. one and be like, what's going on? Actually, it's weird Shrek on ice is number 832 on the index of oh, folklore. Oh, oh you know, yeah. here it is. You're right. You're absolutely right. It is actually a crossover between that and Frozen. Oh God, yeah, it's very interesting, yeah. They're all the same universe somehow, yeah. right? So I have a question about this folklore study and this story in particular. Is mm-hmm. it, uh, do we know like the cultural background of it? I mean, they heard it, if you heard it at the Genesee Village, mm-hmm. does that mean that this lived in our cult, like in our culture like back this in exactly the day? Area. Yeah, the, like, this particular story is, from a uh, is a, if, if we're thinking of this as originating from the juniper tree model, the grim tale, um, this would be a story of German origin. Okay. Um, and uh, so we imported this here. Well, oh yeah. In, in fact, m- almost all of this folklore is imported in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, you can draw these corollaries between like American Gothic and European Gothic, but the tropes are almost always identical. You know, that you have you have situations that are the uncanny, like you know. Um, I, the reason why stepmothers are often villains in stories is because they are these uncanny beings. They're not mom. They're stepmom. They're both familiar and unfamiliar. So they're very easily molded into these sinister, dubious types. What are their intentions? Yeah, you have, no, you have no origin from them. They're just kind right, of there yeah. and they have power over you or some sort right, of... Right, right, yeah. Of, and know. they're pretty easy to vilify. I would I, think like culturally you can kind of... Yeah, because you, you don't, you you don't like him in some of those ones. Well, I guess like it's not mom. I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and from there you can kind of look at it like in terms of like, you know, how gender is represented, especially in older tales. Um, you know, unfortunately, women don't really get the the good end of that deal a lot of the time. You know, there aren't the a lot of, I, 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 I would, if there are any listeners that know of any stepfather tales, I would love to know about them because I unfortunately did not find oh. any. I did do a quick search trying to find a few. Because it, it occurred to me, like, late in the process, oh, wait a minute, this is, like, another one of those, like, crapping on stepmom things, and that's not good. Are there any stepdad stories where it's a bad guy? And I couldn't find any. The only thing I can um, think is the movie with Robert Zadar. That's about as far as I go, but that's very modern. I don't know if that really plays into it. <laughs> Anything with Zadar in it, you have to be careful. <laughs> Going back to the ogres. <laughs> yeah, the giant jaw of Zadar. Oh, my gosh. Um yeah, I, I mean, all I can think of was going Miss Doubtfire at one point there, so I'm glad we brought it over to <laughs> more logical base. Um, that's, it's, it's amazing what this is. Well, like, well, now that you mentioned it, there is a whole vein of folklore that has to do with comedy and that sort of thing, so you know, gender juxtaposition could be... Now, is know. there an aspect um, in, in folklore, I mean, obviously the teller wields the, the the power here uh, but like if someone who's you know charismatic di- like you know say comedy deals with folklore or you know kind of pairs well but like with this tale here you definitely it seems like certain stories lend themselves to being comedy not not can't be included very out like easily with like say these ominous sort of tales mm-hmm. um but uh like do you find uh, and i mean since you're the folklore expert tonight on the oh, show yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i don't uh, know if i want that bird <laughs> yeah. uh mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it's, it's how the like folklore does um, as the culture changes, as the delivery system changes. I mean, like we're having folklore happening in Twitter now. We're having mm-hmm. tales being shared in 140 to 280 characters mm-hmm. in small bl- uh, blurbs and, and blasts. But it seems like the component of of the human condition that loves folklore in the, the tales. It seems like these tales are evolving along with us and and kind of bopping along and. 
the, the delivery system is slightly different for each each sort of incarnation. Do you, do you mm-hmm. feel like uh, looking at this story here? Do you feel that your your telling of it um, is more in the vein of how you and you are in society? It seems like folklore is a two part. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the teller and the story. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes the folk the folk piece travel on is it's the, the tale moves on with the person moves on to the story moves on the person so your tell, telling of this here with a little bit more punch up at the better terms and tones um that it uh, i guess the, the idea is uh I, i'm just kind of talking in circles right now because i'm so excited about you know how the evolution of, of, of folklore is and as a writer do you do you really feel like um uh, a such solid connection with uh like the the i I'm trying to think how the 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 seed that spawns from. So oh, ab- absolutely. Um, I feel that you know folklore represents this. Um, I'm, I'm going to use a word here, and I'm going to use it in a very academic way. I'm going to use the term primitive, and I don't mean primitive as in uh, atavistic or old or 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 as unsophisticated as something modern. I mean primitive the way a, a cube is a primitive shape, a sphere gotcha. is a primitive shape. You know, these you know, basic shapes like that are called primitives because they can evolve into larger, more complex shapes. So uh, folklore has this sort of primitive um, shape to them. They're archetypal. You can build on them. They're like the Legos of mm. storytelling. You can so the simplest can, structure that still holds itself up. Yes, absolutely. Um, but you know, you say uh, something about the delivery mechanism. That's a key thing, and we do see folklore changing with the times. Um, uh, uh, one of my favorite examples is the movie uh, Tales from the Hood, <laughs> which is a series of folklore s stories set. You know, reset in an urban setting, reset in a in a different uh, motif. Um, so it's the same story, new delivery mechanism, um, and delivery mechanisms are important. And you say th- we we've got things like Twitter and social media to relay storytelling and to shape storytelling, and that's an evolving medium. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I've been really wrestling with lately is how to include cell phones in stories. Um, it has to be hard because it's, it a, is. it's um, an easy way to get out of a problem yeah, as well as... Yeah, you know. if, if you go back and look at, say, film noir, which is very folklore, uh, you know, influenced in terms mm-hmm. of its very... In terms of setting, in terms of basic storytelling functions. Uh, noir likes to use the mysterious ringing phone, like, say, in a strange hotel room. You yeah, don't yeah. get that with cell phones unless it's, like, the cell phone that's mailed to you or something. There has to be yeah. some other contrivant layer in order to to relate that uncanniness of a mysterious phone call. Mm. Um, or you can slam a phone. You can't really do that with a, a cell phone. So there's there's a motion caught up in the original landline phone that you don't have in cell phones yeah, or t- texting. But they do have their own set of emotions, I would imagine. Like the they noise do. or the vibration, or if you knew, if, you, if you're waiting or anticipating they, yeah, a message from somebody, but it's a, sh- it's a lot shorter. Yeah. So, it's not walking um, across the room. Right. So one of my favorite uh, incarnations of a, of a modern approach is be the, the TV show Sherlock. Mm-hmm. When Sherlock and Watson are sending text messages to each other, it pops up in the corner while action and dialogue is going. And that's that kind of tension. Like, I... I there is this tension in you're doing something in the real world and your phone's doing stuff and you're now splitting your attention between two things. Mm. A tension begins to build as that occurs. You have to have that multi-layering. So on one hand, that's a difficult thing to relate, say, in written text, but it's mm-hmm. a great thing to relate in video or film. Huh. Um, so it's so these kinds of folklore elements that create setting and nuance, you know, from 
the from you know in one variation it's churning butter in another variation it's stirring tallow mm-hmm. um, you know in one variation it's the mysterious phone ringing in the hotel room and the other it's I don't know something else something be creative try to come up with something new but yeah absolutely it evolves as time goes by I'm loving it so uh, actually uh, so I like to take a quick uh, time uh, to actually uh, talk about maybe some of our favorite Halloween tales and stories, Matt. You, uh, we were talking about this before, and and I have um, one of my favorite tales that I kind of have about ghost stories. Actually, it's a it's one I heard as a kid, and clearly it's an old folk tale. But it's the Taylor Poe one. Oh of, yes, from last yeah, year. Last year, yeah. and uh, people have been sending me their their versions of it since, and it's funny to hear what kind of things change in certain areas, you know, like down south it's much more of a swamp and sort of like reptilian thing versus up north. Uh, a friend of mine was saying about he was in the uh, like Adirondacks and it's this furry like raccoon sort of thing. Like it's something that's just hardy in the winter that it's coming at you. And uh, but it, it, the monster is the same monster, just different skin, has the same motive, same ideas, just looks different. It's funny, it's like the concept kind of fell about that way. But. In Rochester, it's a Pittsburgh yoga mom. <laughs> the, 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 I don't the, know the, the story. Coast. I'm just uh, it's um, yeah, it's a monster that uh, long story short, you end up just kind of cutting off its tail for whatever reason, and that's changed to a different story. Sometimes it's uh, out of sheer fear, sometimes it's kind of out of and they toss in a uh, pot to boil, eat it. The monster comes back and, and gets it. The whole thing is it's like shouting out at them, being like, I want my tail back, you know, Taily Poe. And it's like, in the end of the story, he gets it back. So that's how it kind of goes. But um, yeah, so uh, Matt, in there, do you actually have any sort of fun, uh, interesting uh, uh, Halloween stories for a little fun little roundtable stories here? I, I just have a short one. It was when I was handing out uh, Halloween candy. It's my all-time favorite costume. And oh, my gosh, some, yes. Some of you may have already heard this story. But I was maybe uh, 17, 18. It was just like that first Halloween where you, you're too old to go walking around. Postscript <laughs> to that, like I was 21 and out trick-or-treating again as Hellboy a few years later <laughs> around RIT with some folks that will remain nameless, but they know who they are. Um, but so th- these groups of kids came by and it was always like, you know, Spider-Man or Batman or whatever. So this kid shows up to, to the door and he's got the greatest costume I've ever seen. He's a toilet. <laughs> so his body is the tank so he's got like the flusher the whole whole thing huh. and then the seat he lifts the seat candy <laughs> the boy was a genius <laughs> just figured out how to make haul more candy around uh-huh yeah he didn't have to carry the candy it, it was open-handed it was all homemade it looked perfect <laughs> oh my god and i damn near emptied my entire bowl into his bowl because <laughs> it was incredible Oh my that's God. great. So that yeah, that's my favorite Halloween thing that ever happened. Do you ever do you ever remember like any sort of favorite uh, costume you've encountered like at the door or anywhere else? Have you ever do you can you one that stands out in your memories? I saw pictures of a great one last night. Oh really? Um, local artist Jay Lincoln. Wait, was it? I, I saw pictures of it. Translate. Explain what it was. Uh, I saw him briefly before he came to my house actually to uh, to see my roommate because um, the two of them are friends mm-hmm. and he came to the door and I didn't recognize him because he was just a guy with like red makeup on his face and I was like uh, oh Jay hi, 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 <laughs> yeah, um, come to find out later he was the he was the fence in defense except the D never showed up oh 
<laughs> and what I also really liked about this is he, he he it's like a red fence like in the backyard of Lux, and that's yeah. where he went for the night. So there's pictures of him like up against the fence. That's right. I saw that image, and I had no so, idea. I don't know if Jay's going. listening, but shout out! I thought that was brilliant. I I, I wasn't sure. I see because it's like it's, it's wide. Like another idea, of the costume was is I mean it was yeah yeah significant. His, his face is through a hole in his hands, and yeah. So <laughs> I saw I saw the because fa- and his face was painted red to match the yeah. fence, and I couldn't quite tell because the angle was it's his face, and then there's two holes down there i'm like i i don't know what this is exactly i know who it is i i gotta hear the story what was happening so yeah so the d never showed up (laughs) in defense oh no that's funny um i've had uh some rather interesting uh people kind of like uh Especially now, I have a lot of science nerd friends, uh, and their kids are starting to like last night, <laughs> post Malone, but po- like po- uh, post Malone makeup with a Pope outfit on. Uh, yeah, that was a, a pretty impressive picture to see there. Uh, and uh, but yeah, good puns are one that I think strike my, the most chord with me. I think so. your show last week on uh, your interview with the flat earther. Oh, good. I mean, oh, it was the it was the po- uh, it, the, po- the podcast. Was that right? a podcast? Yeah, it was a classic one. But like. a flat earther, <laughs> a flat Earth costume is very easy. <laughs> oh my god, we can pull that together. Did, does it include in, uh, Australia? You know, <laughs> Giant ice wall all the way around. Yeah. That's all it is. So just a whole line of conspiracy theories yeah. costumes. Actually, a uh, good call in for that. Those who are asking. Uh, podcast. They have the classic Mind of Magnus is going up on podcast form. Thanks to the man in the glass box in there. So that's right. You're yeah. going to get bombarded with Halloween episodes in the next couple of days. I'm trying to get everything up from last year. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we've got all the creepy stories from last year. Yeah. So that's what you check out uh, mindofmagnus.com or just wherever you get your podcast from. Check it out. But the classic ones are going up on midweek, and then the new ones go up on Fridays and stuff. But yeah, we had a a, a flat earther on, and whew, it was an interesting ride. So <laughs> flat Earth costume. I don't believe it. I don't know. I don't believe it. <laughs> Something you can believe in, at least that. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. Anything else? We are. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to those who messaged in saying hi. Said had lis- they're listening in. Uh, where was it? Melissa said I had fun listening. Anna, you did a great job. I loved it. It was a fun Yay. story. Um, uh, she actually read. I read the story uh, in the Southwest Quarterly. Really cool. I actually live in that area and it makes me wonder if my house is haunted as well. So Probably. It totally probably is. When in doubt, it always is. That's how it works. Um, uh, oh, and side note, uh, some folks asked, I uh, I posted some pictures, but I went kind of urban exploring the past week or so. So I have some really creepy stories and pictures coming up on that, and we'll probably be doing that in a podcast form coming up down the road here with uh, Matt and myself. Uh, so, And actually, we're going to have Anna on, and Tristan, you're going to be just playing around and drink whiskey. We'll be... Uh, as you called it, was it the your actor's? Uh, what was your actor costume? Oh, uh, uh, struggling, struggling, writer. struggling writer, uh, yes. struggling writer costumes. Uh, yes. We'll we'll both wear I'm, that. It's a big stretch for me. I know. I'll be the struggling I'm artist. I will try. I'm pulling out all the stops. <laughs> but we'll have some podcasts in that form as well. I'll so. just be struggling. <laughs> struggles real, man. Struggles real. Uh, so, but thanks for writing in, you guys. Anytime you want to write in, let me know. Mindofmagnus at gmail.com. Magnus Apollo on Twitter. Uh, if you guys are just tuning in right now, this is the Mind of Magnus here on 106.3 WRFZ. Um, and, uh, but we actually have one more treat for everyone here. Uh, audio engineer extraordinaire Matt himself uh, got uh, some Eric Lehman Tales of Creepy to play for us, right? So... Um, without further ado, Eric Lehman, which we have on the show multiple times, he is a lightning rod for the weird and odd. And uh, I, my Halloween is not the same without having a story from Eric. And this year we have a couple ones. So we had a great time last week. And this week we'll be having another one on. Uh, and it's it, it's an original. I'll tell you that. Uh, thank you. Listen to Eric. 
Um, but uh, my guests tonight have also, uh, Anishlia, if people want to find out more about you or any projects or anything else you're working on, is there a way for us to can find you? Can we? Yeah, I'm the only Anishlia ever in the whole wide world. That's a good one. So I'm at Anishlia at pretty much everything. And, and uh, S-C-H-L-I-A? That's is, me. Uh, Anishlia, no, that's nice. That's my husband, but now it's me. That's you, yeah. You lean into it. It's a pretty good name. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Tristan, uh, how about you if people want to find your adventures? Oh, well, let's see. You can find some of my work at cyborgproverbs.com. Nice. And uh, you can stop on down to Writers and Books. We're open uh, six days a week. Uh, You'll often see me working at the front desk. We have workshops for writers of all skill levels and ages. Nice. And, uh, yeah, we've had had some pretty interesting things. We had a live reading of Frankenstein from start to finish. I heard. Uh, Nine hours straight. Um, I I wasn't there, unfortunately. I I, I, uh, had Colin sick that day. That Oh. That is true, um, but I, I, I was sorry I missed it because it was it sounded like it was a great time. I heard about it, and people could yeah. just show up and do the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Well, without further ado, can we? Uh, uh, how's the engineering guy going on in there? Awesome, 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 Mister Eric Layman. His tales of creepiness for this Halloween uh, show here. Um, for those of you who don't know, my mother uh, passed away when I was eleven, mm-hmm. and by that I mean she was murdered. <laughs> And we've talked uh, on on episode 16 a little bit about some stuff tied to that mm-hmm. um, that happened in the house or that happened with my brother and, and stuff. Um, but I had a really funny one. So, you know, it, dating in the modern world at, at, at my advanced age, you know, we're using apps. I met some amazing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You know, I'll go a couple years between, you know, like date someone for a while and whatever. So in 2016, I, um, I, I start, I jumped back into it way too early. Like after a breakup, I need, I didn't, I didn't heal enough. Oh, we've, but we've I, all been there. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. So I, I went on, I went out with this amazing rad human being, super cool, but I just wasn't ready. Uh. And... But we stayed in touch. I was like, look, not ready. Like, we, we stay in touch. She's still rad friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, a year later, we catch up. We're walking around Clothesline Fest. And we're kind of revisiting this notion. Like, I'm super superstitious. I won't have my palm read. I, I won't do tarot readings. Really? Um, I mean, I mentioned it before, part of but that, I forgot that. Yeah. And, and there's a reason, and the reason is my mother had her palm read by her cousin uh-huh. a month before she was killed, and her cousin is like, you're going to die a horrible death. There's nothing you can do to stop this. <sighs> and, you know, it's, it's you've got like a month to live. Ah. So, yeah. yeah, right? Like, that's heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm terrified of it. I don't want to know. I'd rather like it come hard and fast and quick and unexpected. Oh, this is how it is. Yeah. Like, oh shit. This is how how I die. um, So I'm like super, super superstitious about that stuff. So we were, we were kind of chatting about it and, and my friend is, uh, she kind of gets this weird look on her face and she I was you know I, we were talking about communing with spirits and I was like look I I don't really have the I don't feel the need to reach out and like communicate with my mom mm-hmm. like I feel like we like I know she looks like over me you know like that that kind of 
you know, protective spirit stuff. Hopefully she's psyched on everything I've done, you know, or at least most of it. Um, and, uh, she just gets this look on her face and she's like, well, what if I have, and I look at her, I was like, what? talking about yeah. now this is the first time i've seen her in a year uh-huh. like we've emailed her texted and stuff but never seen her it's like what are you talking well, she like you said not to say anything you said you didn't want to know i'm like oh no yeah you broke that seal about i her. need to know this story yeah what are you talking about and have i i don't I haven't told you no you have the, no, no, so have magnus look, has a look of I have like a look, i have that, that confused look on my face you right have now. a what tell me more look. yeah yeah so uh, she then tells me she'd been when I met her. She was just starting to do like Reiki healing, uh-huh. and apparently Reiki opens you up, yeah, to see auras, but apparently also spirits and hear stuff. And so she hears stuff. She might be a cool person to bring on. Please I'll, do. I'll see love. if she's down. Um, to we have, talk, we'll, we'll, we'll do a phone call, phone interviews yeah, now too. Yeah, we'll, we get the stuff. She's like right down the street from me. <laughs> she's one of my neighbors now. Um, but uh, so she she goes, well, you know, like. Right after we went out, the fir- like to dinner first time, I was talking. I was with my Reiki master, and um, I'm just saying, yeah, I went on this date the other night. It was like really cool, and she she stops me. She's like, he was a really nice guy. Yeah, he had a really good time. Yeah, something really tragic happened to his mother. Oh God. At which point, basically that reaction from my friend, she's like, uh, how did you know that one? Because it came up randomly. As as was wanting a conversation with me, it will either will or won't come up at the most awkward time ever. Uh, That's not with me. (laughs) The first time, it was the second time meeting or something else. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, Yeah, like, I mean, there's people who've known me for decades who have no clue what happened. Like, since I've been up here, that never have no clue. Other people, they find out. It just happened to be right. Like, like, yeah. It's wherever the conversation takes me. It was. And that's what it was. myself in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so. Her friend, this girl's friend, is like, um, it's because sh- she's here. Oh, yeah, wow. And she's, you know, again, my friend's like, what are you talking about? It's like, uh, his mom's here. Her name's like Cindy, like, named her. Oh, God. And in the most brutal message from the afterlife, goes, she says, you're a really nice girl, but it's not going to work out romantically. <laughs> oh, my God. Your mom with, judged. With my kid. With, oh. with my son. Oh, my God. And and is this for the podcast or the radio? You can swear. Is this, okay. Go ahead. We'll beep it out. It's worthy. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So she got a message from beyond that was... Basically, like a couple of days later, I, you know, it was like the beginning of a weekend, and like by the end of the weekend, I, um, I, I reached out. I was like, I'm really sorry. Like, it, like you're super cool. I am so not ready to date, and this is way too early. Um, but you're rad, and like, let's let's maybe pick up when I'm not a piece of emotional poo. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it was a, that was crazy. Like, you know, my, my mom is judging from beyond. <laughs> <laughs>